Hi everyone, this is PCI PDI 360, Conversations in Crisis Management with Joe Bermudez. I want to thank you for joining our conversation today as we're live from Miami just before the start of the 2020 North American Crisis Management Summit. Today I'm here with my good friend, Eric McDougall. Eric, how are you? Joe, I'm great. I'm in Miami. How bad could it be? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to see you and thanks for coming down. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so let me ask you, first of all, um, what are you um, expecting out of uh, uh, the North American uh, Crisis Management Summit this year? Yeah, I've been to a few in the past. Uh, I've always found them to be great uh, exchanges of ideas. Um, it's interesting for me on the underwriting side to get the broker perspective, hear where their thought process is, hear what, you know, what their message is that they're getting from our insureds. Uh, it, I also find it interesting to hear what some of my competitors are doing, and I always leave with three or four great ideas of something that we should think about doing in our daily practice or uh, something we should think about doing differently when we're, or, or change when we're working with brokers, whether we improve upon things. Uh, so I always find it just a real synergistic type of experience where we, we leave with a, a lot of great information. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. So you've been in the PCI PDI space for quite some time. Can you give us a bit of your background, your experience and, sure. and you know, whether you've had different roles and stuff, mm -hmm. just let the audience yeah. know yeah. what your experience is. Oh, sure. Thanks. Um, started in 1999, uh, working as a program administrator for a couple different associations. Um, we were actually working with some associations trying to put together, uh, different, all different all lines programs for them and one of the associations said to us hey what about product recall our members are interested in that and uh, that was before Google so we uh, we couldn't look it up online but we went back to figure out what product recall was <laughs> and, uh, and back in there weren't there weren't that many players back then but we we uh, we found we found some markets we put some programs together we spent a few years working as program administrator. That evolved into a situation where the past 10 years we've actively underwritten through a line slip and then uh, gone into a um, binder and a full cover holder with Lloyds of London. So uh, I kind of sad to say how long it's been I've been doing it, but uh, it's been a while and we've seen a lot of changes in evolution into the space, but um, I, I still enjoy the heck out of it today. That's awesome. What, what do you think is one of the most significant changes over the past few years? I guess the amount of players in the space compared to what it was back in the early 2000s, but also the, the, the breadth of coverages. Uh, it, it seems that there's been a lot of industry events that have spurned different coverages. We began with well, we didn't call it product recall back then. It was called, but what it what it should be called, PCI or CPI, contaminated products insurance. So we really spoke to what the coverage is, and um, it you started with uh, accidental product contamination, malicious product tampering, maybe some extortion, and uh, some uh, business, a loss of gross profits, and and then and then, and adverse publicity. That was the big coverage back then, and. And then from that, we saw some customer loss profits kind of come into play. And then from out of 2009, the Peanut Corporation of America loss kind of spurned governmental recall. And that opened up a whole new avenue of, of potential losses and triggers and uh, a whole new set of coverages. And, and I think brought off a lot more participants or buyers, if you will, to the table at that point. Interesting. Interesting. Now, 
as it's evolved, I mean, and what are you looking forward to in regards to this year in the marketplace? What is it you're expecting? Or can we see, do you expect yeah. to see growth this year? I think we will see growth. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, some of my compatriots and might agree that we could certainly use some, some premium increases. Uh, I don't see that happening. Um, in the past couple of years, I've kind of felt like there was going to be some premium increases, but every time a new uh, market comes on board, um, it typically becomes a, a price competitive environment, and that premium increase we all hope for uh, gets negotiated out the window, trying to you know maintain <laughs> maintain business as the new the new uh, the new market's trying to financially underwrite a book. So um, <laughs> that's you know I, I think that's what we'll be. We'll we'll be moderately to flat. And um, the growth, I think, uh, I, I, I guess I'm going to say whatever, probably what everybody else would say, we'll probably see it in produce. Um, we, we see a lot of produce opportunities just because of what's happened with romaine. Um, and there always seems to be a uh, knee-jerk or quick reaction from opportunities that we get into quote based on what's happened in the recall space uh whether there's been a big ingredient recall or pet food recall or produce recall that lends itself to where the opportunities are but for us personally i, th I th we're going to focus a little more this year on uh some of the the uh product recall exposures the durable goods uh the product defects uh, uh we are our book is fairly substantial with the food exposures and we're we'd like to grow into that space of the the non-food accounts if you will some of the autos the consumer products the electronics that that uh, less less of a homogeneous class than the food exposures and you know we think there's some growth there and a lot of opportunities and and are you are the brokers bringing opportunities in regards to the non-food the consumer goods the electronics aviation auto are you seeing more and more of that or being asked about those types of risks and, and undertaking or under uh, underwriting those types of risk we are and in years past we've we've shied away a bit um we've recently um changed our mix of syndicates and have a few uh, uh some players on our slip now that are a lot more active in that space and it allows us the affords us the opportunity to get aggressive in that space as well. We're uh, in the process of fine-tuning our, our policy form in that space and, and getting uh, ourselves positioned to be a little more active and a little more competitive in that environment. But we do see that those opportunities are are more frequent than they used to be, and some some of it seems to be contract-driven in that space. Um, some of the big players in the auto and and manufacturing industry are mandating five and ten million dollar contracts for any part that you sell to us so that drives up the opportunities as well um and, and you know it's a, it's a tougher sell no question um it's a the, the insureds are a little uh, find a little harder to understand what they're buying versus the food processor who knows exactly what he's buying knows what his exposure is whether it's contamination or mislabeling the uh, non-food space is um challenging i think for the insureds that that just want the coverage versus those that are being mandated to uh, have a contract and, and go uh, obtain the coverage somewhere i would say 
And let me ask, you bring up a really fantastic point in regards to the supply chain and, and the view of this or the perspective of this type of insurance. Are you seeing more and more contracts or more and more companies coming to you because of the fact that they've got a contract that they've got to deal with and the, and the insurance provision requires that they have to purchase like general liability and other types of policies um, that they also now are being required to uh, purchase product contamination or product defect insurance? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's always existed in the food space in one fashion or another, but that segmentation has always been comfortable buying the coverage outside of the contract. What we're seeing, at least with the opportunities we're getting, is a lot of the insureds in this, for lack of a better term, uh, non-food or durable goods uh, segment, uh, are producing a product and they don't even believe they need the coverage or, or feel a need for the coverage. They're just being mandated by the contract. So what they're presenting to us is, hey, I only want to, uh, I only want to use the sales specific to that contract for the coverage. And the challenge sometimes is the, you know, the ABC company is telling the insured, hey, $10 million policy, um, and the insured has $500,000 of sales for the, to the ABC company. So we've got a little disproportionate uh, uh, situation where we typically don't like those situations where he's going to try and insure $10 million against a $500,000 exposure. It doesn't have that exposure, first of all. It's, you know, can't get the premium to where we need to be off of $500,000 in revenue, and basically they're buying a, a third-party policy at that point. It's for the ABC company. It's not for the manufacturer of the insured. Right. So Interesting. It's a challenge. Yeah, that is a challenge. That is a challenge. Um, now, in regards to basically... Um, I mean, we've talked about electronics, we've talked about uh, consumer goods, we've talked about auto. What about um, pharma, um, medical devices? Do you see growth into those uh, industries as well? I, I see there's a lot of growth there. It's, it's an area that we've always steered away from and we're, we're going to, um, I, I think, baby step into it this year. But I, I do see a lot of opportunities in the pharma. Um, we've always been comfortable in nutraceuticals and the supplements and stayed away from the pharmas and the uh, invasive devices. Uh, but we're, we're, we're rethinking that and, and thinking and looking at different ways that we feel that we can, um, through policy wording, structure the exposure that's a little more palatable and allow us to move forward in that space. Interesting, interesting. Now, what is it about you know, the, the medical device and the, and the pharma that's really, um, I, I guess, maybe mm. a bit different mm. from the other um, industries that you've been involved with? Well, the farmer, particularly the, the sterility issues and, and the, that the ease of which sterility is breached and, and the, the depth of what happens uh, for something that may be uh, uh, less than sterile um, the, and is a little different than food. You might have a bacterial issue in food that, that is widespread, but there are some types, there are some types of relief you could potentially cook the product, cook the bacteria out. Uh, you've got some you know, issues where it may not affect all the food, but from what we've seen with pharma, um, once sterility, a sterile issue has been breached, it's, it's an all or none principle. So we just feel that there's a larger exposure there. Um, from a medical device standpoint, it's just the, for us more of the, the uncomfortableness of, of the how the devices are removed, what's involved in that. And I think with some 
um, some policy wording that speaks to really the device and not the liability of the procedure that's involved, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a more um, palatable exposure for us in that, in that state. Interesting, interesting. Now, you had mentioned earlier mm -hmm. with respect to um, uh, the uh, produce industry, and it's one of the areas that we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about at um, uh, the summit this year is, is with respect to the advisories that especially have hit um, Romaine hard over the past uh, couple of years. Do you think there is the ability, the capacity to underwrite the produce industry to the degree that they're looking for and, and to assist them in regards to these type of issues? Or do you think that there's still some issues out there with respect to the industry itself and how it brings product to the market um, that might cause concerns from an underwriting aspect? That's a great question, Joe. I, I've thought about this uh, on and off for a while now since, since the, you know, the third Romaine incident hit last fall. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, beyond the aggregation issue of writing a class like that, um, I, I just feel that there's there's a there's a challenge there with the, the, that specific process of producing, particularly with the lettuces and how they're grown and they're open, and there's not as much. Sanitation or cleaning, and by the nature of the product, it has such a short shelf life. You can't spend a lot of time washing and cleaning um, that you can with a, a f product that's produced in a in a warehouse or in a production facility with quality control and kill steps and uh, sanitation procedures. And I've I've been kind of waiting. You know, the we go back to as I mentioned earlier, the Peanut Corporation of America and and governmental recall and. And, you know, and, and, and that was really spurned by the, the policies initially saying, hey, we don't have a trigger here. So the governmental recall wording came out to, to help uh, address the situations that we didn't realize as an industry existed back then. That hasn't happened yet with the, to, to a large extent with uh, the, the romaine incidents or the produce industry incidents. Uh, there may be uh, one or two markets that are thinking about doing something, but nothing in mass has come yet. And I, um, I think there's a, a, a real hesitance or caution of expanding that governmental wording anymore because there's been such a, a plethora of losses that have come out of that. Uh, now, f from the brokerage side, the sales side, everybody wants to see that, that whole area covered. The insured, anytime he has an incident, wants that policy to respond. But from an underwriting side, we're, you know, we're trying to Stay relevant, stay stay employed, and uh, <laughs> um, you know minimize the things because you know this is this industry's changed from a uh, a severity industry to a frequency and severity industry from a loss standpoint. And back in the day when we started, it was just you know one or two big hits, and that's all there was. And um, now there's you know, the, the 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 with the governmental. Uh, change in climates, the, the, the governmental agencies' expansions into what their hot buttons are, what they feel are, are, are the, the issues of the day, and then the policies kind of corresponding to that. It's, we've had a, a few more losses over the years, and we're just trying to remain diligent. So we're not looking to expand coverage in that area. Um, that being said, you know, a year from now, um, we, we, we may be looking at something different if the market has trended that way, but we don't want to be the trendsetter in, in that specific space right now. Sure, sure. Let me ask you, 
staying on the growing side mm-hmm. of things, so another uh, big topic that we're going to be uh, roundtabling um, over the course of the summit is, is uh, uh, cannabis, hemp, CBD, yeah. THC. Um, with respect to all that, um, and I call it, I look, kind of lump it into one industry, but are you taking a look at that? Or are you going to be interested in, in what some of the opportunities may be in regards to that right now? Or are you going to take more of a wait and see approach? No, we really are. Um, it's so fascinating, that's, that space, because just to the north in Canada, it's fully regulated by the government. Carriers uh, are offering product recall coverage up there without much trepidation. Um, here in the States, we go back eight months, a year, when it, when it really became um, new to us, I guess, and maybe it's longer than that, but uh, a few markets uh, of our competitors were jumping on board saying, yeah, we'll do this, and um, we don't see an issue, and we looked at it and said, we'll, we'll consider if it's not the main exposure. But the, the growth on this is just mind-blowing. We had uh, some insureds that had $40 million of regular sales, and they took $2 million of, of cannabis. So, oh, we'll take that. That's a nice ratio, a nice minor exposure. Well, at renewal, they still had $40 million of sale, but the cannabis sale was now $75 million from $2 million. I'm like, okay. That it makes me really nervous as an underwriter because when you grow at that pace, right, something's right. going to be sacrificed, whether it's quality control or documentation or so that the, God bless those guys. What a business. Um, but we're, we're kind of waiting and we'd be a lot more comfortable if there was more regulation uh, or guidelines. I don't want to say, I don't want you to say more regulation, but there are more guidelines for, for these processors to follow and more uh, regimen and more accountability if they were treated just like a food processor certainly would be a lot more comfortable so i think we're going to be a, a kind of sideline wait and see right now on that one interesting interesting now let me ask you um because you've kind of touched on this throughout your conversation and great perspectives mm-hmm. i really appreciate it. i think mm-hmm. our audience will as well is because they're really understanding you know what the perspective of an underwriter is on different mm-hmm. types of risks speaking to which does it when you're looking at different companies, is there a place on the supply chain, whether it is food, whether it's auto, whether it's you know pharma, when you're looking at these different industries and different companies within different supply chains, do you take that in consideration for the risk and, and what you're considering to underwrite? That's a very good question, and we certainly do, because initially, uh, going back in the early years when this coverage was be- becoming more prevalent, it's felt to us, like the insureds bought coverage if they were the the end of the chain, if you will, if they were the brand, if they had the label, they felt, oh boy, we've got exposure. We don't we don't want to lose our brand. <clears throat> and uh, here we are today, 2020. As we underwrite, we look at that and and we and we just draw some correlations to uh, for us and our book of business. Some of our largest losses have been branded products um, they tend to be the policy limit losses more so than the the mid the mid processor or the further processor or the the beginning of the slaughterer or ingredient manufacturer um, those losses tend to involve sometimes the gl as much as well as the product recall where the end product seems to be predominantly the labeled product it can be predominantly all on the product recall and 
policy, excuse me. And I, I just feel that there's there have been some larger losses. We we certainly as this evolved, we're certainly starting to see the insureds finally come around to see that they have an exposure anywhere in the process and losing a customer, uh, losing a Costco or a uh, further processor type company can be just as detrimental to that, to their balance sheet as, as losing the general public as a customer. So there's certainly more buyers in that space now, but, um, we still do a little different, uh, a, a little extra charging, if you will, in the underwriting for uh, somebody with a brand. Interesting. Okay. No, great yeah. perspective. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. You've been fantastic. Yes. So um, we're coming up on the end of our time, uh, but I wanted to, um, I have one last question for you. And um, if you'd like to answer, it'd be yeah. great. But on a more personal note, uh, what is it there or what is it uh, about you or what is something about you sure. um, that you can share with the marketplace that most people in the marketplace don't know about you? Ooh. <laughs> wow. Well, legal, legally, uh, I can only speak right, right. legal. <laughs> oh, well, that's an interesting question. Um, just that, that we've been around for a long time. Um, you know, we, we operate in a little different space. We're small to, to, to middle market accounts. We don't typically write the jumbo accounts. Uh, there's other players out there. Um, but we've had some staying power. Uh, we've been doing this for a while. It's been, it's been a... Uh, evolving marketplace. It's been a uh, an up and down marketplace, uh, and a lot of, lot of changes. But uh, we feel that we've weathered the storms and are continue on. I, it's probably not the the salacious answer you're looking for, but, <laughs> but a good one though. But again, well, you yeah, have to still I mean, keep the really lawyers have. out of Sorry. out of our business, <laughs> right. and so I won't say anything inflammatory. <laughs> I think we could all agree on that point. So excellent. No offense. Eric, thank you so much. It's been great seeing you, and I look forward to seeing you over the summit. Take care. Sorry, I didn't have much of an answer for you on that one. That was awesome. That was.